Another day, another piece of evidence of Chinese misbehavior. The Washington Post with a blockbuster story that was just posted this morning that a uh, the Chinese military is ramping up its ability to disrupt key American infrastructure, power, water, communications, transportation systems. Uh, they've got evidence that the uh, People's Liberation Army, you guys, have uh, hacked into major utilities both in Texas, but also into Hawaii's utility infrastructure, which, of course, is home to our Pacific Mm -hmm. fleet. So it's a serious national security issue as well. And uh, it just, again, brings into sharper focus. We need to be a lot tougher uh, from a national security standpoint on this kind of misbehavior. It doesn't even even begin to cover it. Uh, meantime, we've uh, we're getting a little bit more information on this suspect that's in custody in the murder of Samantha Wall. Yeah, Detroit police say a person has been taken into custody in connection with the murder investigation of Detroit Synagogue President Samantha Wall. Uh, Wall was found dead outside of her home the morning of October 21st. Police say she was stabbed. An initial suspect, as you know, was taken into custody a few weeks later, but that suspect was released shortly afterwards. Sources close to the investigation saying the man is now that that is now in custody is not an acquaintance of Wall's and appears to be a random stranger. Now, the case made national headlines amid speculation that Wall's killing may have been related to her prominence in the Jewish community, but police chief James White has insisted that there's no evidence linking Wall's killing to ongoing tensions about Israel's war with Hamas in Gaza or that the stabbing was motivated by anti-Semitism or the victim's position as president of the Isaac Agree Downtown Synagogue. Sam Dubin with the Jewish Community Relations Council says he'd like to know a little more. We wish for more communication from the Detroit police. Um, you know, we, we feel... Uh, very in the dark through this process. Sun, sunshine is the best distant, disinfectant. Um, so more communication, the better. We're hopeful and uh, we're standing by. Now, police uh, guy continue to say that there is no evidence that Wall's death was a hate crime. Meantime, a new poll from the Wall Street Journal shows 55% believe Israel is taking the necessary military action to defend itself. Uh, only 25% of respondents said they believe It's disproportionate and going too far in the Gaza. So an amazing show of support. But when you break it down by party, Democrats, when asked, do you sympathize more with Israeli or Palestinians in this conflict? Uh, Only 17 percent say Israeli. Uh, A near near majority say they sympathize sympathize equally with both. Uh, Republicans off the charts support for Israel, 70 percent. Independents about half that, only 35% support. And then also a YouGov poll, along with The Economist, uh, shows that Americans are very concerned about anti-Semitism, with 33% saying that these incidences are much higher than 10 years ago, 30% saying they're somewhat higher, two-thirds believe that hate crimes are very, very serious against Jews, blacks, and Muslims. Interesting thing here. Denial of the Holocaust is extremely rare, uh, but in this small sample, and I want to emphasize it's a small sample, one in four young Americans, 18 to 29, one in four believe, excuse me, one in five, 20%, believe the Holocaust is a myth. How is that possible? Wow. 
And that's the question, Jamie. Is it ignorance or denial? Is it that our our teaching of history and civics is so pathetic that they never heard it? Or that there is this undercurrent of disbelief that anything that horrific could happen. Yeah, their parents not, you know, reinforcing it. It's, um, again, I don't want to get too upset about a a, a 600 uh, sample. And when you break it down by age, it's only 200. Mm -hmm. But still, the fact that in this day and age, that has to be alarming to, to us all. Um, a Texas woman, uh, her case does get a decision, but mm-hmm. she's not going to be around to benefit from it or to be penalized by it. She's leaving the state. That's right. We're talking about Kate Cox. She sought an abortion after learning her fetus had a fatal genetic condition, and doctors told her she could risk her future fertility if she doesn't get the procedure. A state judge ruled last week that Cox, who's 21 weeks pregnant, could terminate her pregnancy, but the Texas Supreme Court temporarily put a hold on that Friday, and then yesterday she left the state to get her health care elsewhere. Then hours after that, the state's high court ruled against her, reversing a lower court's ruling that I just talked about. The medical emergency exemption in Texas allows for an abortion if the mother has a life-threatening physical condition while pregnant. Well, Texas AG Ken Paxton argued that Cox had not demonstrated that her life was at imminent risk, noting that she was sent home after her multiple visits to emergency rooms. Cox had a C-section for her first two pregnancies, and her lawsuit argued that inducing labor would carry a risk of uterine rupture because of you know her history, mm-hmm. and that going full term would endanger her ability to carry another child. So this is a topic that is just going back and forth in Texas, but the woman said, okay, I got to go to another state and, and get her health care. They've just created, she's created, and the pro-choice movement in Texas now has a a poster person absolutely right. for mm-hmm. 2024, mm-hmm. and you're going to be seeing more of her. The Supreme Court, it was interesting, they said they didn't really rule against her. Say, they didn't really say that she failed to make her case. They say that she doesn't have to under the law, that this is, this. it, it, it was like they kind of punted it. Well, clearly, when Ken Paxton says you got to be in the ER and critically ill before we let you do this. You need to. You need some kind of relief. There are other lawsuits pending there. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and this is not over there. This is one of the first cases brought to everyone's attention since Roe v. Wade was overturned, and this is definitely not over. But in this woman's case, she wants to have more children. Her husband and she have two. They want more, so she went elsewhere for her health care. I had a good friend the other night. We were, had, were discussing this case, and he said, you know, I'm getting a little tired of the pro-choice movement telling me that men have no voice in these cases uh, when, if you're pro-life, you have no voice. He goes, what about if your wife's health is threatened? Shouldn't you have some standing in court then? If your wife's ability to have future, your future, your future yeah, children, right. shouldn't you have standing in court then? But you never hear about the husbands in cases like this one. No, and I think what the pro-choice people are saying, that these courts, this AG, should not decide what this woman does with her body. But I get your point of view. When you are family planning, that is you and your partner, and both definitely have, you know, Emotions are involved in both. Mm-hmm. Well, but also obligations. I, I mean, I, I'm supposed to protect, we're supposed to protect each other. Yeah. Those are the vows we took. That's mm-hmm. right. And this is, if it's truly putting her health at risk, he has, should have some say. He should have some say. Yeah. And mm-hmm. 
It's yeah, it's it, it is a truly, truly frustrating uh, case. And uh, the, the, the backlash there may be quite severe going forward uh, with that uh, Supreme Court uh, announcement. Um, we uh, have uh, a, a report out that apparently the Harvard president will not lose her job, nor will she face any kind of uh, punishment for her tone-deaf statements uh, before the House. She has apologized for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the fact. After the fact, mm-hmm. repeatedly. She's admitted that it was tone-deaf, yet it raises a lot of free speech issues. A lot of folks saying, look, you know, th- these schools that will punish someone for using the pronouns, that I mean, it's in their policy book. You can face punishment, and faculty can f- face punishment for not using the proper pronouns, but you're not going to speak out against someone uh, wishing genocide, genocide upon a specific group. Yeah. If you had substituted black for Jew, would it have been a, a different answer? If you would have said, you, you know, hang all black people. I- exactly. So there's this <laughs> yeah. double standard. We're going to be talking right. coming up at 819 with a group called FIRE, who rates Harvard University dead last when it comes to free speech because they will push non-progressive voices right off campus. So why is it that those same progressive voices seem to trump those concerned about anti-Semitism? We'll have a great discussion about that coming up at 819. In the meantime, three major automotive stories. UAW making unfair labor practices charges against the transplants and foreign automakers. Ford dialing pack production of its very important all-electric F-150 Lightning pickup. What all does it mean? Dan Howes. Senior editor for the Detroit News, next on JR Morning at 719.